0: Back to our seats, I want to pray as we get started <laughs> let's uh, let 's come before the throne of God just one more time before we open god 's word together. Father in heaven, um, we thank you, Lord, and when we pray, you hear us and Lord, um, I know there are times God our prayers just uh, are not quite prayers of faith. And we want to be those who are courageous in the way we pray, who, um, who believe you for great things because you are a great God. God, there's nothing normal about you, God. You are supernatural, not just natural. And so, Lord, we come before you asking for your uh, guidance and your blessing upon this work to which you've called us, God, in this neighborhood and throughout this city of Chicago. Lord, we want to increase the influence of the gospel, and Lord, we we want to be the messengers of that gospel. And so, Lord, um, I know for a lot of us today, there's a lot of fear involved with that. So we pray, Lord, that you would give us a confidence in you. And Lord, that even today through today's message from Mark 7, that you, Lord, would stir within us a certain kind of heart and burden for people in this community and people who are not like us, God. Lord, there is only one answer for the sin problem that's in our hearts, and that's Jesus and the cross that he carried, and the death that he died, and the resurrection he had from the grave. And so, Lord, may that be our declaration today. Lord, as we prayed earlier, Lord, we pray for those today who are here among us who do not know you, um, who are exploring the Christian faith, who want to know more about Jesus. God, I pray, Lord, that their um, seeking would cause them to find you, Lord. Because ultimately, Lord, we know it is you who has drawn them to yourself. So may that happen even today, we pray. Lord, we bless your name. We come with expectation and pray that you'd meet us here even now. Give us ears to hear. Give us eyes to see. And be glorified, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Man, it's good. It's good. It's so good to open God's word, to pray, to sing together. I love hearing this room ring out with voices. Declaring how amazing Jesus is. And so that's uh, always a highlight for me each week. Back in 1971, an organization was founded in French called the Medicines Sans Frontières. Also known as MSF or as we know it in English, Doctors Without Borders. The guiding principle of Doctors Without Borders is that the needs of people outweigh national borders. Their great burden is to provide medical services to people in all kinds of countries who don't have the kind of help they need. And often, they're in war-torn countries, undeveloped countries, countries without the proper medicine. In 1999, they won the Nobel Peace Prize Award. And during that time, their president, James Robinski, gave a speech. And he says, silence has long been confused with neutrality and has been presented as a necessary condition for humanitarian action. From its beginning, MSF was created in opposition to this assumption. And hear this. We are not sure that words can always save lives, but we know that silence can certainly kill. We are not sure that words can always save lives, but we know that silence can certainly kill. Doctors Without Borders' concern for people that transcend racial and ethnic and cultural barriers isn't new to them. There, there is a God that we serve who has a burden for all peoples. And while they are unsure whether or not words can save lives, we are quite sure that only words can through the message of Jesus. While they are sure that the absence of words, that silence can kill, as followers of Jesus, we must come to that gripping conclusion that our silence prohibits people from hearing God's message. And so there is a God who is a God without borders, a God who has a message, a God who has come to save people in undeveloped countries or developed ones, people who are hungry or people who are full, people who are dirty and discouraged and people who are apparently clean and hopeful. We serve a God who has come for all people. And what God has done, is he's given his children, who are called Christians, which means they are followers of Jesus, he's given them a responsibility and a message to bring this good news to people everywhere. Today we're going to see how God initiates that conversation. You know, if we read through the Bible, we come to realize pretty quickly that many, if not most, of the heroes of the Christian faith are Jewish. Moses was Jewish. Joshua, David, Solomon, Jeremiah, Isaiah, John the Baptist, Jesus the Christ. And what was uh, happening in the Old Testament is that the people of God, the Jewish people, the nation of Israel, came to understand that the God of all, Yahweh, their God, had come to deliver them, to save them. But there was a thread that many had missed that was interwoven throughout the Old Testament. And this thread was that God had a vision bigger than just for Israel. It was a vision to save people who were outside of Israel. This vision of God would come to full circle and to a head with the ministry of Jesus Last week we saw in Mark chapter 7 that there were religious leaders in Jesus' day who had a problem with the way Jesus was doing things. Jesus was addressing the human heart, and many of the religious leaders were caught up with external facades what ultimately made them hypocritical, people who put on a front to make you think they were something that they were not. Jesus always went for the heart, and Jesus makes clear that he has a burden for all people. So we mentioned, none of you are here today by accident. Not one of us woke up today and by our own volition, our own desire, said, you know what, I want to come to worship God. God instills the desire within us. And if you are a Christian today, you are because your God was merciful to you. He crossed borders. And if you're here today and you don't know this Jesus we've been singing about, this Jesus I'm going to be talking about, I want you to know today that you are not here by accident. God has crossed barriers and borders to draw your heart here today so you can hear that He is a God that has no boundaries. He is a God who has come for the broken and the helpless and the hopeless. And so today we come to Mark chapter 7, verses 24 through 30, and are going to take a look at how Jesus unpacked this idea that God is a God that has come for all people. If you don't have a Bible, there's one in the pew in front of you. We find ourselves in the book of Mark, chapter 7. That's towards the end of your Bible. And every Bible at the very front has a table of contents. So if you don't know the books of the Bible, check out the table of contents. You can look through the Old Testament and through the New Testament. You'll find the page number corresponding to where the book is at. And we find ourselves in the book of Mark, chapter 7. In the pew Bible, who has the page number for the pew Bible in front of you? 843. And if you don't own a Bible, we really want you to keep the one that's there. If you don't own a Bible, take the one that's there in front of you. It's our gift to you. God speaks to us today, and he does so through his word, the Bible. I'm going to read the opening portion of our passage today, Mark chapter 7, verses 24 and 25. Church family, I want us to have a burden for people who are far from Jesus today. I want us to have an unquenchable burden for them that tears down the the barriers in our hearts and gives us a heart like Jesus. Verse 24 says, And from there Jesus, that's he, arose and went away to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And he entered a house and did not want anyone to know, yet he could not be hidden. But immediately a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell down at his feet. I'm going to pause there. You see, these opening verses give us some clues as to the point and purpose of this passage. It says that Jesus left and went away. The word is, uh, gives us the idea that Jesus fled from where he was previously at. And where he was previously was at was around the nation of Israel in the land of Galilee where he often taught people. And Jesus was getting away from Galilee. And where we get the idea here from verses 24 and 25 that his desire was to get away. It was a Southwest Airlines commercial. He wanted to get away. He needed a break. And so Jesus goes to a place called Tyre in the region of Sidon. Now, this is an important detail. Because if we had a map, we could find that Tyre is not in the land of Israel. The people of Tyre were Gentiles, non-Jewish people. And isn't it not interesting that Jesus decides to go there to find a break? He goes to this Place of Tyre and Sidon, and he enters a house there. We're not told whose house he was at, but what we are told is that he didn't want to be found. Jesus is like undercover here. We've seen in the preceding chapters that him and his disciples have been given one hundred. They've been going all out. They're exhausted. They need a break. Jesus probably wants to instruct his disciples because they're lacking a lot of understanding. They're not. They're not sure of who he is and what he's doing. They're. They're really confused. So Jesus gets away to this unnamed house in the region of Tyre, outside of Israel. And we're told that immediately a woman comes. And this is no ordinary woman. She's a Gentile woman, a non-Jewish woman. And she has a daughter, but a little daughter, which means a woman's probably a woman who's not older in years, but someone who has a little daughter. And what's interesting about her daughter is that her daughter has an unclean spirit, which is what the Bible often uses to say that the daughter is demon-possessed. And so here this woman comes to Jesus and falls down at his feet. Verse 25 says, Now the woman was a Gentile, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. You see, this woman's got a lot against her right now. She's coming to a Jewish rabbi or a Jewish teacher as a Gentile woman, which means from the law that she was an unclean person. To make matters worse, she wasn't just some ordinary Gentile, but she was from the land of Tyre. If you read the Old Testament, the evil queen Jezebel, you know the name, she was from Tyre. So just the name of Tyre, you think, OK, bad news. In fact, the first century historian named Josephus, he was not a Christian. He was a Jewish man. He wrote this of the people of Tyre. He said they are notoriously our bitterest enemies. So here this woman comes from a place that is known to have people from the ranks of Jezebel, the bitterest enemies of the Jewish people, an unclean Gentile who has a daughter with an unclean spirit, and now she's at the feet of Jesus. The situation gets quickly goes from zero to 60. And now Jesus is there, meaning to get away, he's got a person in front of him, and undoubtedly people are like, what's up with this? And what we're going to see go on in this story is an interesting thing. Because it's going to appear that Jesus is pushing her away. <clears throat> it's going to appear that he's reluctant to meet this woman in her place of need. You see, We understand this woman has a demon-possessed daughter, but really the central issue here is that this woman is a Gentile woman. She's a person that others saw as unclean, outside of the ranks of what God can do to save. And so Jesus is confronted with an option here. What will he do with this woman? She begs him to cast out the demon out of her daughter. Isn't it fascinating how we find often throughout the book of Mark these different people who go unnamed who've got a really messed up situation? I feel like as I've been preaching through Mark, I'm saying a lot of the same things over and over again. Here's a person, we don't know their name, they're a complete stranger, they're really messed up, they fall at Jesus' feet, and they beg him to help. And I was thinking, why why does Mark tell us so many different things? And I think in part it's because brokenness comes in all shapes and sizes. And so sometimes we need to be reminded frequently that our messed up heart, our messed up issues are no new thing to God. I think in chapter one, there was a man who had leprosy. Imagine the despair he had. Or the paralyzed man in chapter two who couldn't even take a step forward to Jesus. His friends had to bring him. Or the demon possessed man in Mark chapter five who was cutting himself and wanted to kill his own self. Or the bleeding woman in Mark chapter five who said, if only I touched the hem of his garment, I could be healed. People who were in the pit of despair, having no other solution, they've tried everything. The demon-possessed man, they bound him up in chains, he broke him apart. The bleeding woman paid people for 12 years to bring healing, and they just made her condition worse. The paralyzed man needed his friends to take him. The man with leprosy was cast outside of the city. There was nothing anyone can do to reach these people where they were at. And now this Gentile, unclean woman catches wind that this man named Jesus is in her town entire with unclean people, she's not going to let this opportunity pass her up. You see, God is showing us that brokenness comes in all shapes and sizes, and God is not afraid to cross a border or boundary to save a person. The gospel transcends race, ethnicity, and culture. We live in a country that is all messed up when it comes to understanding race, ethnicity, and culture. This political season is putting everything at the forefront of our minds. One thing that we need to understand as Christians, as followers of Jesus, is that our standards come from the scriptures and not from our politicians. Our standards come from what God says and not what others say. And what God says is that God's gospel is meant for all people. All people in all shapes and sizes with all kinds of brokenness. And we need to be those of compassion who reach out to people who are far from God and love on them. And so this woman comes to Jesus and she's begging him to help him, help her. But I want you to see in verse 27 what Jesus says to her. It comes out of left field. You're not going to see this one coming. He said to her, let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. I'm going to read that again. In fact, can you read that with me? Let's read what Jesus' words are there together. Let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Jesus is speaking with a parable of sorts to this woman. But the woman understands what he's saying, and undoubtedly others who read this knew what was going on. You see, throughout the Old Testament, God had a plan for his Jewish people, his his people of Israel, and that people hoped for a Jewish Messiah, a deliverer who would come and save God's people from their sins. Jesus comes on the scene, and by all accounts for his words and his works, and all he does and says he is that Messiah who's come to save God's people. He has come for the children of Israel. We saw in chapter 6 that Jesus saw the people as a crowd and he had compassion on them. And they were as sheep without a shepherd. They were hungry physically and they were hungry spiritually and he fed them what? Bread. And so here Jesus sees this Gentile, unclean woman who's asking him for help, and she says, it is not right to go beyond the children first. What Jesus is saying is, I came first for the people of Israel. I came for the children first. And it is not right to take the bread that is meant to feed the children and give it to the dogs. Well, who are the dogs? It's the Gentiles. Jesus is expressing what all the Jewish people have felt and believed. And here this woman, a Gentile, hears Jesus call her essentially a dog. Now Jesus isn't simply there trying to mess this woman up, tear her down, because Jesus always has a plan. See, God uses adversity in our lives to cause faith to rise to the surface. And Jesus wants to know from this woman, how desperate are you? How desperate are you really for me to change your daughter's life? How badly do you want this? And undoubtedly, others who would have been around who were Jewish were thinking, that's right, Jesus, you tell her. Dogs don't get it. But Jesus adds one word here that leaves room for something that ultimately ends up and brings you, who are non-Jewish, into this room today. That word is the word first. Let the children be fed first, not only, first, not exclusively, first, which means others will be fed second, See, Jesus is not saying God has a plan and it's singular only for Jewish people. So if you want part of God's plan, you've got to become Jewish. Now, Jesus has opened up the doors here for something bigger. God has a burden for all people. And Jesus, in a strategic way, is exposing this thing. And for this woman, she could have said, Man, you know, you're right. I'm from Jezebel's land. I'm the bitterest enemies of Israel. You are the Messiah. I'm unclean. I've got an unclean daughter. What am I thinking, Jesus, coming before you? Who am I to come before you, Jesus? She could have pieced out and left. See, but Jesus wasn't trying to dissuade the woman. She was causing, he was causing her faith to rise to the surface. And what I love is what the woman says in verse 28. She answered him, yes, Lord, yet even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Hear this. Jesus says, I'm feeding the children bread here. And we should not take the bread from the table and give it to the dogs in the bottom. And the woman says, yes, Lord. But when the kids eat, they drop the crumbs and the dogs come and eat it. There's a place for me, Jesus, in this plan. Jesus causes this woman's faith to rise to the surface. She's not okay with leaving that place without Jesus intervening in her life. How desperate are you, church? How desperate are you to see Jesus rock your world? How desperate are you for him to deliver you from your bondage and your uncleanness and your helplessness and hopelessness? How desperate are you? See, Jesus is not there trying to win an argument that sends her away. In a weird twist of fate, he's playing the devil's advocate. He's saying, you can't come here. And she says, oh, no, I can. Give me at least the crumbs, Jesus. And Jesus says in verse 30, I'm sorry, verse 29. For this statement, you may go your way. The demon has left your daughter. This woman's need is met. He says, for this statement. See, the statement reflected faith in her heart. The book of Matthew shares the same story, and Jesus says, because of your faith. See, the faith was what was behind her statement, She may not have understood all of who Jesus was, but she knew he was one who was sent from God and could bring her daughter out of her demonic bondage. And Jesus sees her faith and delivers this girl from this this desperate situation. But by doing so, Jesus opens the door for all people who are outside of Israel. Yes, although Moses and Joshua and Daniel and David and Solomon, yes, even John the Baptist and Jesus himself were Jewish. Jesus says, my plan is bigger than just the Jewish people. See, in the book of Romans chapter 11, the apostle Paul unpacks his very argument because people wondered how can non-Jewish people come to believe in the Jewish Messiah and trust in the God of Israel? And Paul says, what God has done is something miraculous here. See, the Jewish people ultimately rejected Jesus. They put him on the cross. And Paul says, because of that rejection, God has opened the doors for non-Jewish people to be grafted into the same tree. Romans 11, verses 11 and 12. Paul says, so I ask, did they stumble in order that they may fall? Referring to Israel, he says, by no means, rather through their trespass, salvation has come to the Gentiles so as to make Israel jealous. See, what Paul says and what the Bible says is that God's people is Israel and that God brought the Gentiles in to have salvation through Jesus, but that God's not done with the Jewish people either. He wants all people, Jew and Gentile, to come to him. In Ephesians chapter 2, Paul continues to say, now... In Christ Jesus, you who were once far off, that's Gentiles, non-Jewish people, most of us, if not all of us in this room, you who were far off have been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both, Gentiles and Jews, one, and has broken down in the flesh the dividing wall, the hostility, the things that separated the Jews from the Gentiles. Jesus came, tore that down, and came to make one person. It says, by abolishing the law and commandments expressed in ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in place of two, so making peace. Paul says, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are now fellow citizens. This is why we had read earlier that at the end times, when the judgments are coming, And John the the apostle is looking, having a vision, and he sees a lamb who was slain, and he sees those there worshiping him. And they praise him, saying, Worthy are you, worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people from every tribe and language and people and nation. Brooke, family, there's a reason why I'm harping on this right now. First of all, it's in the text, and we want to preach the word. Second of all, God wants to give you and I a vision that he has for all people. Now, I know we're, we're a bit distant from this Jew-Gentile understanding. It's something that's not very common to us. But if, we need to, if we're going to understand the Bible, we need to understand this tension that existed. And then we need to understand what a blessing and privilege it is and what an expression of God's mercy it is that you are here today, a non-Jewish person, if that's what you are. It is the display of God's mercy to save people who are far away. What's so remarkable in this story is that this woman's daughter daughter wasn't even present with Jesus, but Jesus heals her at a distance Talk about being far upon far away. This girl was unclean with an unclean spirit, not even with Jesus, and he saves her. None of us are too far from God's grace and redemption. This is what keeps our heartbeat going here at the church. This is the reason why we're having two services beginning October 9th. We want to increase our seating capacity in order to increase what? Our sending capacity. We want people to go throughout this city Declaring this message of Jesus. And God has placed you in specific places to be his messenger. Look, I don't work in your workplace. I'm not in your classroom during third period. God has put you there. He has given you the influence in those places. But what God is calling all of us to do is to be courageous, to open our mouths and tell people about Jesus. See, Jesus demonstrates by even going to Tyre that no one is beyond his reach. And you and I need to believe that with conviction. We need to believe that nothing is outside of God's grasp. No one is too far. And so we talk about being always on mission here at the brook, which means wherever you are at, be seeking opportunities to make known the power of God through Jesus Christ. We call those gospel opportunities or gospel-tunities. We want people to know Jesus. So we need to, to pray for those opportunities. We need to see them when God opens them. We need to keep seeking them out. And then we need to seize them when they come. Church family, if Jesus showed up in this place. And if he came to people and simply did works to help them, he would not bring them the good news to save them. We, we need to be those who declare the gospel. And this is what needs to be on our lips, church family. That we know that we as people are sinful people. That we are born separated from God. That needs to be on our lips and in our understanding. And that yeah, that's a humbling thing. It's a humbling thing to recognize how messed up we are. But until we recognize how messed up we are, we can't recognize how badly we need Jesus. This woman knew how messed up her circumstance was. And she was begging Jesus at his feet, refusing to leave. And so, when we tell people about Jesus, we need to tell them how bad their circumstance is. We need to tell them you're an enemy of God. You're separated from God. If you were to die today, you'd be apart from God forever. That needs to be on our mouths. And when people are gripped with the sorrowful circumstance they're in, we could say, But God sent his son Jesus who came to this life, and you know all those sinful things you do and think? Jesus didn't do any of those. He is perfect man, perfect God, so that when he went on the cross, all of your sin was put on him, and the wrath and judgment from God that you deserved, Jesus satisfied it. That's why Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Father turned his back on him. We need to tell people this and say that Jesus was put in a grave, but he didn't remain there. He was put there on Friday, but Sunday morning, he rose from the dead so that when you put your faith in him, you too could be raised to a new life, forgiven, a new creation, a child of God adopted into his family. See, this is the gospel message church. And if we are not declaring that, we are not declaring the good news. And so this is what Jesus models for us by crossing borders and barriers and boundaries and saying, there is no one outside of my reach. But what Jesus did, though, when he died and rose from the dead, several weeks later, He ascended into heaven. He left this earth and he sent his Holy Spirit to indwell every child of God. And so what that means now, if you are a Christian, you are now Jesus' representative. You are his missionary into a broken world. You are the one to cross the boundaries and the barriers and the neighborhoods in our city. To look for people who are not like you and not like me. And I hope and pray God would stir some of our hearts to even go beyond Chicago, beyond the United States, to other parts of the world. In a few weeks here at the Brook, a friend of mine from Africa just flew in yesterday and he's uh, doing great work in Liberia, planting churches and reaching lost people. I'm eager to have you guys meet him so you can get a vision for what God does even beyond Chicago. We church family want to be those who are without borders because the gospel message is without borders and we want people to understand this no one is outside of god's reach jesus has come for all people jew and gentile alike so church let's get with god's program here let's let, let him renew our faith renew our zeal for the gospel renew our passion to see jesus fame spread everywhere as we were singing here this morning, um, I was thinking about the day when I see Jesus face to face. And that day's coming for me. I don't know when, but it's coming for me and it's coming for you. And I just want to there just marvel in the fact that I'm there, cleansed by the blood of Jesus. But I want to be able to say, God, I left it all there. I, I, I held nothing back. God, I was sold out for you. I was faithful with my life. I invested my singleness. I invested my family. I invested my marriage. I invested my workplace. I invested my school place to make your name known. And, boy, I I want to be able to say that when I'm with Jesus who saved me. My hope and prayer is that God would just move in your heart in the same way, that we would together not waste our lives. So as we move here into the fall church We have more real community groups, not just because we enjoy hanging out, but because we want to equip one another for God's mission. We want to help each other along through our struggles and our battles with sin. They're real. But God wants to guide us through that. We also want to go out and reach people. We want to multiply services and multiply disciples and multiply real communities and multiply churches so that God's fame would be spread. Are you down with God's program, church? Are you eager to reach people like this Syrophoenician woman who's just saying, I need someone? And we could tell them Jesus. And in her desperation and the people in your lives, in their desperation, they would find forgiveness and deliverance. Man, we want to celebrate that. We want to believe God to do it. But we've all got to be a part of his plan. As I mentioned earlier, I know some of us are here today and we're just searching out answers in life. And God is moving. Even now as we're talking, you're saying, man, that makes sense. I realize I'm a sinful person. I realize I can't do anything to cover that up. I need Jesus. Well, as we sing our final song, we're going to declare how great our God is and in his greatness, he can save you. And so we'll have a prayer team in the front and a prayer team in the back. And would you go to them and just say, I know I'm far from God, and he's bringing me near today. Would you teach me how to trust in Jesus? And our prayer team will lead you to him and show you how to surrender your life to him. And maybe God's stirring in your heart family members in your life, friends and coworkers who are far from him. Let their names and their faces sink into your mind, and let them become prayer points for you. Maybe keep a prayer card with their names on it. Say, God, I want them to know you. I want to bring their name before you. Maybe today is the first day you bring their name before God. Let a prayer leader pray with you for that person, that loved one, that family member, that friend. But church, let's be proactive. Let's be proactive to make God's name known everywhere. So let's rise to our feet, Brooke family. Let's rise to our feet. Prayer team, would you come forward and worship team, come on up. And I want to pray Asking the truth of God, asking God for His truth to be sunken into our hearts. Let's bow our heads together. Almighty God, Jesus didn't go to Tyre and Sidon by accident. Just as no one is here today by accident. God, you are a God without borders. God, you are a God who is eager to help the sick, the needy, the broken. God, you are a God who calls us to bow our hearts before you to receive Jesus in our lives, to turn and repent from our sins and say, God, I need you. Lord, for us as a church family today, God, I pray that you would awaken our hearts to the needs of people around us. Lord, that we would get with your program to graft in Jew, Gentiles into the Jewish plan. That we remember that through the blood of Jesus, you've torn down the hostility and made us one person. That's your church. Made up of people from all ethnicities, all backgrounds, all cultures, all languages economic diversity, social diversity. God, this is your church. And so, Lord, I pray we would not put up walls where you have torn them down. And so, Lord, help us die to ourselves to be about your plan. God, we know that you are working in people's hearts all around us all the time. You're causing their faith to rise to the surface. But sometimes, God, we... We don't get the the privileged opportunity to lead that person to Jesus because of our fear, because we're too about ourselves, because we're not looking for gospel opportunities, because we're not taking advantage of those opportunities when you provide them. So Lord, I pray that you would awaken us. And Lord, would you give us, oh God, that great privilege of telling someone about Jesus? so that they then would put their faith in him and that their lives would be changed for all of eternity. Man, what a privilege, God. Lord, for those of us who are here today, the question of how desperate are you is ringing in our minds. God, I pray that you would have within us an unquenchable need for you Lord that we would humble ourselves before you even today God mobilize your church mobilize this army increase the name of Jesus and glorify yourself God Holy Spirit help us to this very end God, we promise, God, we promise that in all these things, we will give you all the glory as you move. Oh, God, we declare that your name is great. In Jesus' name, amen. As God moves in your heart, come forth with our prayer team to be prayed for in the front or back. Church, this last song says, how great is our God. If you believe he is great, I want this room to shake with that declaration. I want you to sing it out with conviction. We want our neighbors next door to hear it, church, because of the conviction in our heart that our God is great. So let's pray, let's sing, and let's let God be magnified in this place.